kind of preached the message as if, if I had a last message to say to a Reuben in the room. Um, I preached this message as if I wrote this sermon as if this is kind of it for somebody. Um, raise your hand if you're over the age of 23. Um, mind you, my boy Rue, we met at, a, at YX. I was his leader for summer discipleship. Um, he gave his whole summer to get closer to God. He gave his whole summer. He paid people money so that he wouldn't go nowhere to nowhere but church for a whole summer. We prayed. We read the Bible. We saw after the face of Jesus. He graduates high school. He goes to Southeastern University, begins to study in theology and ministry. He graduates uh, he met with me before he actually went anywhere, and he was kind of praying about where he wanted to go. He started interning at an amazing church, Church by the Glades in South Florida. I was really looking at the church and uh, looking at their pastor and seeing what God was doing there. And uh, he ended up interning there, and it was just like God doing something crazy. He came back after his internship and started attending Journey Church with my old youth pastor. And he freaking died, yo. Like, it's, I'm messed up. I'm messed up because I, like... We could be weird sometimes and put a list of people that deserve to die, right? Like Osama bin Laden is somewhere on that list, right? Like we could list people that it makes sense that God would allow them to exit the earth, but then there's some people we're just like, what? And I've come to this conclusion. I'm going to jump. I'm going to preach. I've come to this conclusion that when it's time, it's time. And it's not always on your time. So we can go through life every day and you can act like the, the biggest part of your day is watching a YouTube video. When the real question is, am I connected to the living, breathing son of God, Jesus Christ? So I've been a mess, but the Holy Spirit's really been working in me. And I, and, and I was led to the book of Matthew chapter 24. I'm preaching on two verses tonight and then we're going to bounce around the Bible. It says in Matthew chapter 24 verses 12 to 14. Because of the increase of wickedness, somebody say wickedness. What is that? What's, what's wicked? That's sin. Sin. Can I name a couple sins to make you uncomfortable? Welcome to church. All right. Uh, overindulging in alcohol, getting drunk is a sin. I'm sorry to let you down. Being a different type of sober-minded is a sin. I'm sorry to let you down. Having sex before marriage is a sin. Uh, uh, lying, cursing, stealing. Um, um, there's, there's a list. That's, the Bible is very clear on what's sin. So when the body's at the floor, um, <laughs> so where there's sin, there's, there's wickedness. If you commit sins, have you ever met a wicked person before? If you've never met one, that means it's you. It's going to be a lot of dry humor tonight, I'm sorry. Where there's sin, there's wickedness. And the look how crazy the, it, it puts it in Matthew. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Love, like, as in they don't love anymore? No, they don't. 
love Jesus anymore because the wickedness around them is infecting their love with God. The wickedness and the sin around them and in them is affecting their love to God. The wickedness around them and in them is actually affecting their love towards God. So the Bible says that their love, most, the love of most will grow cold. But the ones who stand firm to the end will be saved. First kind of breakdown of this verse is this math equation. The increase in wickedness equals the increase in hearts growing cold. That's what the verse is saying. The increase of sin increases your heart growing cold from Jesus. So... If you decide to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, it's not like your heart's never going to be attacked. If you continue to sin, be in a life of sin, be associated with people, all they do is sin, and you, you stay with that group and you stay in those areas, and what will happen is your heart will grow cold to Jesus. That's what this verse is saying. But here's another takeaway from this verse. The increase in sin will eventually lead to a believer falling away. We've been in young adult ministry for five years, by the way. We celebrate six years as a church this October. Happy birthday. I've seen young adults give their life to Jesus, find a girlfriend, and fall away. I've seen young adults give their life to Jesus here, get married, and fall away. I've seen young men come in here and... You know, never found a spouse or anything, but they just fell away. I've seen young women come in here. Oh, Pastor, great message. I loved it. God spoke. It was for me. And a year later, sin is for her. I'm not judging them. I believe in prodigal sons and daughters coming home. I believe in those lost coming to be found. But the reality is if every person that ever came through these doors would be here tonight, we wouldn't fit in here. The reality is if everyone who ever lifted their hand up to be saved was still in this room, we wouldn't have seats in here. In 2018 alone, we had 1,500 salvations in our young adult services. This room says 400. There is a falling away you need to be aware of. And the falling away is not because the preacher is not preaching your favorite message. It's not because the singers aren't singing your favorite song. It's not because the guy up here's jeans isn't too tight. It's not because somebody didn't call you. You fall away because there is sin and wickedness in your heart. I'm not talking about changing churches. We, we bless people out all the time. If God's calling you to that house, listen, I'll call you up tonight. We'll pray for you. Be blessed. I love you. Because if you feel like leaving, you left six months ago. I'm talking about people who don't go nowhere. They go to the church of one and they follow their own God themselves. You fall away because the wickedness and the sin that the Bible so clearly shows here. My first idea is that love grows cold. It doesn't turn cold. Growing and turning are two different things. Turning is immediate. Growth takes time. So your love for Jesus, listen, it can grow hot. How many of y'all know? You ever been in that moment where your love for God is growing hot and hot and hot? But the opposite can happen too. The reverse can happen too. Your love for God can grow cold. 
but don't, don't think that it just turns cold. You guys with me? Like the guy that pulls me into a meeting saying, I just don't love my wife anymore, I need to get a, rever- uh, a, a divorce. Hey, you, you didn't just turn into divorce, divorce mode, it grew there. You don't just wake up one day and say, hey, I'm leaving everything. I'm dropping this commitment I, I, I made in front of people and in front of God to give you the rest of my life. That didn't switch overnight. There was, there was a lot of things happening. And, and maybe you're here tonight. You're just like, how, how do hearts grow cold, Pastor? Explain to me. Here's, here's kind of like the big answer to that. How do hearts grow cold? The answer to Matthew chapter 24. This is how hearts grow cold. They grow cold when you give your heart back to the things that Jesus took it from. Your heart grows cold when you give your heart back to the things that Jesus took it from. So when I, when I made a decision to follow Jesus, I had a lot of different things my heart was going into. And, and one of them was... Uh, my dating life and my relationship life, it was a mess. It was a mess. I was so shallow in choosing women to, to have relationships with. Um, I can say this confidently because there's a ring on my finger. My baby girl is in the front row. I'm married now. Can God do it? Yes, he can. All right. I might just shout right here. God is so good. What am I saying? God can still bless you in your weakest area. God can still bring you to a future from the place that's stuck in your past. So we give our hearts to so many things. We meet Jesus and he has our heart. But what happens when Jesus has your heart but then you start substituting Jesus for other things? Your heart begins to grow cold. Your heart begins to grow cold. If you love drugs and you get saved... Stay away from drugs. Because what you know what eventually, ha- eventually happened? You're going to choose drugs over Jesus. And your heart will eventually turn cold. I want to read to you Romans chapter 6, verses 1, and then verses 6 to 8. So what do we do? Keep on sinning so that God can keep on forgiving? I should hope not. It's the message version. NIV says no. Those of you guys saying, I should hope, means that we probably could still do it. No, the Bible says no. You shouldn't keep on sinning because God keeps on forgiving. Verse 6, could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ. Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ. Our old way of life was nailed. Any Christians in here that could just shout amen to that, to what Jesus did on the cross? Come on, you can get a little bit more rowdy than that. If God saved you and when he died, so did your old way of living. Our old way of living was nailed to the cross with Christ. A decisive end to that sin-miserable life. No longer captive to sin's demands. I got a statement of your growth tonight. I call it a growth statement. And this is the, the growth statement. Grace is a gift, not a pass. So when you get saved, that's not for you to go back to the club. That's for you to step into your calling. When, you, when God gives you grace as a gift, not for you to continue to sin, but to, to walk in the light that Jesus has for you. And what's so sad is that some people see grace as a pass instead of a gift. Do you know what the difference is? The difference is, like, think about gifts like Christmas. Like, if I gave you a, 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 a grace gift, 
a gift of grace. You know what that means? That we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And God gives you grace. So you meet Jesus. He said, hey, all your past is forgiven. The sins you committed today, they're forgiven. Every wrong you've ever made, even that you're going to make, is forgiven. That's a gift. But many people see it as a pass. See, when it's a gift, like on Christmas, you take it and you go, oh, wow. Thank you. I have to cherish this. I have to hold on to this. I, I, I got I to keep this in the core of my heart. But so many Christians in 2021 see grace as a universal pass. You just, beep, okay, I can go sin now. Scan, okay, I can step into a room and tear people's reputations down and gossip. Beep, oh, I can go lie about these people. Beep, oh, I can go back to the places that Jesus brought me out of. And what's happening in Romans that Paul's talking about Literally what he's saying is you're throwing dirt on the grace of God. You're throwing dirt. I promise you these nights aren't this aggressive. But I lost a friend tonight, today, this morning. And I asked myself, why do so many people fall away? It's because they don't know how to stand up. Matthew 24, 12 to 14 because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. The title of my sermon is How to Stand Firm. How to Stand Firm. I've got three ways to stand firm and then I'm asked the worship team to come up and then we'll sing again. How to stand firm. Number one, accept the personal responsibility. How do I stand firm? You need to accept the personal responsibility. What am I trying to say? Nobody's going to stand up for you. Nobody, listen, there's no such thing as someone else standing up on your behalf. No such thing. Because listen, when you and I die, death is not final. Death is a doorway. When you and I die and we pass into eternity, we're going to meet God face to face. One on one. Mano y mano. And listen, when you meet God face to face, your pastor's not going to be there. The worship team's not going to be there. Your, that green logos will not be visible. It's you and God one-on-one. -on -one. Listen, if you have a relationship with God, this is exciting. If you don't, this is kind of scary. But listen, the truth is sometimes scary. But listen, I don't know about you, but I need more truth in 2021. I, I can't tell what's a true, what's a lie, what's coming out here to take my mind, my peace away. I need the truth. And the truth is that for me to stand up, I got to accept personal responsibility. Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. What am I trying to say? Listen, you have to call. You have to call. Your mom can't call for you. 
you have to call. What you've been through does not disqualify you. The opportunity to call. Come on, keep that verse up. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus, your Lord. Jesus, you're my Savior. You're my rock. I confess and believe you are saved. No one's going to pray that for you. Someone might lead you to that prayer. Someone might encourage you to make that step. But no one's going to make that step for you. You have to call. You have to make that decision. And, and, and listen, for some people, that's like easy peasy, right? But man, for, for some of us, that's so hard. Because really, where I'm at right now, I see it more as a result of other people's decisions. For some of us right now, you're only in your major because your mom told you to study that. For some of us right now, you're only in that job because you knew the owner and he said do it. For some of us right now, you're only dating that girl because everyone said y'all look good together. And for some of us that don't accept personal responsibility, this is a tough one. I'm not talking to my decisive people in the room. I'm talking to my indecisive people in the room. That other people make decisions for you. That other people have so much leeway into what decision you make. No one's going to call Jesus for you. Nobody. And the truth is, my next point is that you cannot blame someone else for your decisions. I don't care if they hurt you. You can't blame them for your decisions. And listen, friends, I promise, I, I wish, I'm a control freak. I wish I could control people. Someone asked me on my Instagram, what's the toughest lesson you had to learn? Uh, I can't control people. Because you know what? I make all y'all come next week and bring two friends. But I can't. I can't control you. You know what your pastor does for you? You know what the leaders of this house do for you? Next idea. I can intercede for you, but I can't control you. So I intercede for you. I pray for you. I pray you put the bottle down. I pray you put the smoke down. I, I pray you put that thing, whatever it is, I, I pray you put it down. But I can't make you do it. I, I can't make you do it. If you're not a parent yet, I know this helps with parenting. The best parenting is guiding and not forcing. Because what happens is when you make your kid do a bunch of things, when they have freedom, all they know is just go buck wild crazy. And as, as your pastor, I can intercede for you, but I can't control you. I can't control you. I can't. I can't lift your hand at the end of the sermon tonight to raise your hand for Jesus. I can only present to you the opportunity. I can't lift your hand after service to go to the table and write your name for a hope group. I can only pray you sign up and connect to people in this church. I can't lift your hand and make you sign up for next steps in baptism. I can't, I can't make you come next week. I can't control you, but I'm letting you know that I'm praying for you because you have to eventually make that call yourself. Pastor, but honestly, you're saying I have to make the call. You're saying I have to make the decision. You're saying I have to stop doing what I'm stopped doing, but pastor, I can't. Pastor, I, I, I've tried to stop. Pastor, I can't beat this thing. It's bigger than me. It's who I am. That's not truth statement. That's a lie. Next point is this. 
you have to learn to develop self-control. You can't beat that thing. You just have to first master self-control. Proverbs 25, 28. This probably is going to be somebody's favorite verse. Like a city whose walls are broken down and broken through is a person who lacks self-control. You see, back in the day when they built cities, they built the city wall, the city gates, the city limits. So that when enemies try to come in, it would not be easy. There's one way in, one way out. And have you ever seen those movies of like ancient Rome or like these ancient cities? They'd have archers at the top of the gate shooting down the enemies before they'd even come in. The Bible says if you don't have self-control, you're like a city with walls down. Anything could just come in. Anybody who's Christian could just date you. What also control, any girl that slides in your DMs is probably going to get sex from you. What also control, anyone who has something with any percent of alcohol, it's going to get in your mouth and that's a done night for you. Listen, friends, being easily slippable is not a cool thing. I know society makes that really cool. But the strongest are those that can stand against the thing that their flesh wants the most. The strongest ones in the room are those that can stand against the things that your flesh wants the most. That's why some of us have to practice fasting. Because you're starving your flesh. And you're strengthening your spirit. Anybody getting gold tonight? I mean, anybody receiving tonight? I need self-control. You know, self-control is actually a fruit of the spirit. So the Holy Spirit, the promise of Jesus, it's not only to give you goosebumps during worship. And make you speak in tongues, shit about a Kia, shit about a Honda, shit about a McDouble. It's not for you to speak, it, to speak in tongues only. It's not to give you goosebumps only. It's to give you a sound mind. It's to give you kindness, love, peace. And another one of those gifts is self-control. The Holy Spirit offers self-control. When you take that, somebody's on the street, hey, y'all, I got self-control right here. That's what the Spirit is offering you. The Holy Spirit offers you self-control. It's a gift. It's a fruit. And listen, my next idea. You may not be able to control what happens to you, but you can control how you react. You're not a result of your environment. You process your environment. You gain perspective on your environment. But you can choose to react differently than what your environment is producing. I have to accept personal responsibility to stand up. If I'm going to stand firm, especially in these times where so many Christians, you can't, you can't find them in church. Isn't that weird? Some of you guys don't think that's weird. Okay, so seeing a Christian not in church is like seeing a, a pro athlete not a part of a team. Some of you guys, that's all we know, right? Some of you guys, you don't even know, like, you know, you can be a Christian, yeah, and not be in community. False. That's not false. That's not right. That's false. Seeing a Christian not at a church, not under authority, not under correction, not under the thing that Jesus is building, is like seeing a pro athlete not connected to a team or coaches. Hey, man, I'm a professional basketball player. What? What team do you play for? Oh, I don't, I don't play for no team. I play for myself. You catch me at LA Fitness, Mondays through Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. 
You're like, you're a loony, dude. <laughs> He's got, like, his own uniform, his own number. Like, you're a little extra. Friends, that's a Christian without a church. Because, listen, Jesus built his church. Jesus is so obsessed with building his church. And we need to come under leadership. That wasn't even in my notes, but God wanted to talk about that for a second. How do I stand firm? I need to accept personal responsibility. Nobody's going to stand up for me. I have to call on the Lord. I have to do this myself. My environment plays a big part, but it doesn't have to control how I react to situations. Number two, how do I stand firm? I need to develop a personal relationship. With who? With Jesus. Okay, I got to accept responsibility. I'm ready to stand. Okay, next, I have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. A relationship with God is like any other relationship. Right? What, what do you do in a relationship? You talk. Right? You talk. You talk. Remember in high school? Oh, we're talking. I mean, I just saw y'all sticking each other's tongues down your throat. That, you guys were not talking. You guys were doing everything but talking. But we're talking. No, no, no. You know, our relationship with God. Like, if you want to develop a relationship with God, you got to talk. What am I trying to say? Next idea, you got to pray. You have to pray. And Jesus says something really cool in Matthew chapter 6. But when you pray, go into your room. Anybody got a room? Close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they, they're going to be heard because there are many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So what's, what's the tension here? That a lot of people like to pray in front of other people. And God's like, there's your reward right there. People heard you. But when you go to your room and you close the door and you put on new birth worship, shameless plug. And you pray to your father in secret, he hears you and he will reward you. Pastor, I don't know how to get close to God. You know how to get close to a girl. You know how to get close to a guy talking to them. You want to know how to get close to God? You got to pray to him. You got to talk to him. Because when you go in your secret place, he's there with you. And you get to learn who he, who he is and what his voice is. Another way you guys grow in relationship with God, the same way you grow in relationship with a person, next idea, you date, right? So first you talk, and you're like, all right, you're cool, your breath don't stink, you're chilling. You can hold conversation. We could probably go like an hour at Starbucks or something like that. You want to go on a date? You want to go to Starbucks? You want to go on a date? You want to go to Starbucks? You want to go to a date? You want to go on a date? You want to date? He's like, sure, let's go on a date, weirdo. And in that, in that date, you guys just talking, right? Anybody been on a date before? If you haven't dated before, just keep, keep, like, try it. I dare you to start dating people in church instead of just trying to, like, kiss people before you know them. Date them. Date around, you know. Hey, date around, right? Don't sleep around, though. Watch it. <laughs> Don't go kissing around. Watch it. It's, it's a pandemic. You better stop. Date somebody. Hey, let's talk. Let's grab coffee. My, my clock is ticking. Your clock is ticking. Clocks are ticking. <laughs> it got so quiet, but a lot of you guys are like agreeing with that, right? Like, yes. Date. Talk. 
What is a date with God? Ready? Create spaces to meet. Create spaces. For some people in here, anybody's creation, created space to talk to Jesus is their car. Raise your hand if car is just like get close to God. Like, wow. Like, I can't tell you how many times I grip my gear t- with tears. And the person next to me is like, that's a psycho. Nope. That's a Christian creating space. Just create a space. Going on a date with Jesus. You see, omni-conference, that's creating space to meet Jesus. I'm excited about the guest speakers. I'm excited about the food trucks. I'm excited about the merch. I'm excited about the guest worshipers. I'm excited about all that. But I'm really excited about you guys creating space on a Saturday for God to speak something crazy into your life. And if you have a moment that will change and break some things over you. Create spaces. And as a church, we're going to continue to create spaces. Psalms 5.3. Some of you guys are going to like this because you're not a morning person. Take morning and put any time you want, all right? In the morning, anytime you want. Lord, you hear my voice in the morning. I lay my request before you and I wait expectantly. This is the psalmist believed to be David creating spaces with God. In the morning, you hear my voice. What a thought, right? That, that God hears your voice. God hears your voice. Isn't that crazy that God wants relationship with you? What does that mean? God wants to hear your voice? Like, and I know you have an internal voice that you like to pray with, right? Where you're like. And in your mind, you're like, you're going crazy. But God also wants to hear your voice. And you're not comfortable praying in front of people yet. It's fine. Go to your room. Close the door. God hears you. And I love this because the psalmist says in the morning, yo, set time for this. Listen. Seeking Jesus, developing a, yo, I, I really got to step off the seat for this. Uh-oh, he stepped off the stool. Uh-oh. Developing a personal relationship with Jesus is not going to happen on accident. Developing, think about your best friend. Y'all didn't become best friends on accident. You kept talking. You kept getting to know each other. You kept talking. You, kept, you went through some, some rough patches together. But through the fire, you guys grew closer. You do not gain a relationship with God on accident. Christian, please hear me. You do not gain a personal relationship with God just by coming to church. It's just, it doesn't work that way. God is bigger than Tuesday night. That's not even in my notes. Look at somebody. God's bigger than Tuesday nights. Turn to the people behind you. Say, hey, God's bigger than Tuesday nights. God's bigger than Tuesday nights. Hey, so talk, pray, date, create spaces. And the last way we build a relationship with God, we listen. We listen. I had so many people come up to me a couple weeks ago. Pastor, that was one of my favorite nights ever at YA where we just shut up and listened to God. You guys remember that moment after the sermon? Just, I'm listening. I don't know about you, but you ever got this for someone before? Anybody ever told you this? You're a great talker, but you're not that great of a listener. I'd hate for that to be how God sees me. Like, like, John, all you do is talk to me, but you never give me space to speak into your life. You never give me an opportunity to correct you. You never give me an opportunity to convict you. You never give me an opportunity not to hear that I love you from a prophet, from a pastor, from a teacher, from a leader, but to hear from my voice, I love you. got to listen 
what does listening translate to this? We have to read his word. Anybody got a Bible in the room tonight? Anybody got a Bible? Anybody got the Bible app? Can you make some noise? You got a Bible app. Come on. Yes. Read it. Start, I don't know where to start, Pastor. Start at Matthew. Start at the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Start there. Get to know who Jesus is. His birth, his life, his death, his resurrection. Go into Acts a little bit. Start messing around in Romans. We just came out of Galatians earlier this year with Pastor Dennis, who loved that series. We just jumped into the smallest book in the Bible, 1 Peter. Get into your word. That's how we listen. Don't say God's not talking if your Bible's closed. Romans 10, 17. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Faith comes when I hear the word of God. For some of you, that's, that's God speaking already. You don't even got to read it. Put on that audio Bible. You just got to hear, literally hear, hear the word. You know what I'm saying? Like, listen, listen. Any audio Bible people in the room? Like, you got this book. Yeah, there we go. Let's go. A couple people in the house. I know a lot of people don't read. They just like to hear. How do I stand firm, accept a personal responsibility, develop a personal relationship? Lastly, and I'm going to invite the, the worship team to come up. Lastly, how do I stand firm? I don't ha only have to accept personal responsibility. Nobody's going to call for me. I don't only have to steward a relationship with Jesus, prayer, word, and worship. But number three, commit to the church. I thought I'd get some amens right there. You know, the, the word church, you guys see that C-H-U-R-C-H? It's not a cool word. Anybody think it's a cool word? Church, church rhymes with like words like merch. I think that's it. Search. That's it. I'm not a, I'm not a good rapper, all right? I'm all right. Every time you see the word church in the New Testament, most of the times uh, in the New Testament, which is predominantly in Greek, like Eva explained a couple weeks ago, the word church is actually in Greek the word ekklesia. So Greek and then to Spanish is kind of how you get iglesia. But in the Greek, you guys like that Spanish right there? You like that? Iglesia. Come on now. Spanish ministry coming soon. I'm such a liar. Ecclesia. What does that mean? Go ahead and throw it up. Ecclesia is a Greek word defined as a called out assembly or congregation. You guys with me? So when you see church in the New Testament, you're reading in Greek, Ecclesia. Which literally means a called out assembly or congregation. Is there a congregation in the room tonight? Can you shout your boy down and say hello if you're in the building tonight? You are the ecclesia. Why? Because you are a gathering right now. You're a congregation. You are an assembly. My next idea, I really want to be clear. You are a part of the church. But you individually are not the church. Because the church is a congregation. It's a gathering. I heard a preacher say this. This is the funniest thing I've ever heard a preacher say. 
with people who think that they're the church when the church is actually a community. And this is a quote. The only time that you're a group is if you're schizophrenic. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That goes to people that say, no, pastor, I'm the church when I'm in Starbucks. No, you're not. If you're a group while you're by yourself, you're schizophrenic. You are not a group. You are an individual person. And when we congregate together at an, as an assembly, as a congregation, we are the church. Listen, but when you leave here, you know you represent Christ. It's not that when you walk away from church, you're not the church no more. No, no, no. You're a believer in Jesus. <laughs> Watch out. You, you got some grace over you. You got the Holy Spirit over you. Just because I found you by yourself don't mean I found you slipping. You still follow Jesus. You're, you're still a follower of the way. But as a, as a group, we're called the church, ecclesia. And Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, I sing never alone. Let's hit it from the bridge. That's one of my jams. Let's sing my jams tonight. Chapter 4, verse 11. So Christ himself, Christ himself. Somebody say Christ himself. That was like five people. Somebody say Christ himself. He builds the church. He gave the apostles. Uh, you see that word apostle? These are people that have the gifting of starting and planting multiple churches. That's my dad, the lead pastor of this house, Pastor Gabby Mejia. He has a, praise the Lord. You have the capital A apostles that are put into ministry by Jesus himself. But then you have the lowercase apostles that have that gifting way after Jesus resurrected and ascended to heaven. You have people born with that gift, the ability to lead mass organizations. So a lot of you guys heard of the news. Pastor Gabby has taken on Calvary City Church. What you didn't know is that him taking on that church under his covenant or under his umbrella, that's church number 30 that New Birth oversees. So prior to this, we were overseeing, praying for, equipping, giving graphic series, sermon series, giving strategy, system structures, giving our flyers away, giving our sign-up sheets away to 29 other churches all over the world. New Jersey, we're in Aruba, we're in Philly, we're in Texas, we're in Seattle, we're in Wyoming. We're all over the place. New Britain's all over the place. Look at your neighbor and say, you're part of something big. So you got our pastor who has the gift. It's like Paul. Paul was an apostle. He planted many churches. So when you look in the New Testament and you see Ephesians and Philippians and Galatians and Corinthians, these are churches started by Paul that he's writing to. So he's going to different churches. And man, if you're mad that your pastor's not really here as much as more, I'm telling you, you got a great gift of a God that God's just placing an apostle in the house to say, hey, what's going on here? Can't just stay here. We got to multiply it. I'm pretty sure Philippians were kind of tight that he's always writing to Corinthians. Why'd they get two letters, Paul? They were jacked up. And we're graced with that. But listen, God didn't just give people those gifts. Jesus himself gave apostles. He gave prophets. That's last Sunday with Prophet Nehemiah. And that's this Sunday with uh, Prophet Jesse coming here at 1030 in the morning. Right here in this room. There's prophets. There's evangelists. I was talking to an evangelist today. He got me hyped up. Woo! You, you want to get hyped up? Talk to an evangelist. I got this plan, 100,000 people. We're going to reach a million people in 10 years. I was like, whoa, Ric Flair with the whoa. Let's go. You could drop me in, in, in China. I'll reach people for the Lord. 
Woo! Let's go. Evangelists. Literally, they go to the mall and they're like, hey, Jesus loves you. Some of you guys are trembling by thinking about that. Standing up in public, talking to people about Jesus. I'm that guy. I'm that guy now, I guess. Nah, people got that gift. Jesus gave people that gift because he's building the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists. Uh Uh-oh. And then pastors. Pastors are okay. They're all right, right? Whatever. You got teachers. Come on, God's God's. God's got teachers in the house today. But why does Jesus give all these gifts for edification? Verse 12, to equip his people for works of service so that the body, the church, the ecclesia of Christ may be built up. Why am I taking time to talk about the church? Because listen, Christian, you need a church. I need a church. I, you need covering. I need covering. I need it. I need it. I need it. I'm scared of movements of Jesus that aren't connected to the church. I, I second guess people going to events that are not connected to a church. Because if Jesus is building his church and you believe in Jesus and you're not building the church, connected to the church, under a church, you're probably building somebody else's name up. You're probably lifting up a man. But man, if, you, if you're in the church, Jesus built his church. So he must get the glory. This is important. Why? Because you're going to be tempted. Yeah, you got a relationship with God. Yeah, you understand the personal responsibility. But friends, you're going to be you're going to be tempted to walk away from church. And what you know what's actually happening is the enemy himself trying to isolate you so that he can find you in a vulnerable place. Trying to isolate you. Don't we see it in the animal kingdom? The lion prowls around. Does the lion go straight after the herd? Or does he look for those that are lost in the corner? Or does he look for those that are wandering off on their own? And he sees you alone. He sees that you're not connected to nobody. He sees that no one's accountable to you. He sees that no one's mentoring you. He sees that there's no accountability. There's no covering. There's no connection. You're all by yourself. And watch this. He'll send a girlfriend in your life to derail you. He'll send temptation to you. And now you've prayed to God and you're decided that what God wants to lead you to is away from community? Pastor, I'm trying to connect to church. Uh, Next idea, make an effort to connect. Connection doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen. A lot of you guys have been coming to New Birth for a little while, and you're like, yeah, this is pretty cool play, yeah, you know, whatever. Yo, connect, yo. Like, join a group. Who loves hope groups in this place? Like, yo, join a group. Because this, this is the heart of our church. Next idea. I might be able to do this, but for sure, we can do this. I, I might be able to get this on my own. Maybe, maybe not. It's 50-50. It's a toss of a coin. But, man, if somebody's next to me, we can do this. I, I might have some of the ideas, man, but, but we can find all the answers. 
Pastor, I, I've tried to connect to a church before. All they did was talk crap about me. Listen, if you are a part of New Birth and all you know is to bring people down, number one, you're going to feel awkward because in this house, when you bring people down around people that only know lifting people up, you are coming against the culture of the church. So I pray, like, if you're all about, like, ripping people down, that God gives you, like, diarrhea for a week. And you realize, like, wow, I'm actually contaminating the place that God's blessing me with. Pastor, you know, my old church, we used to do this during worship. Yeah, that was your old church. That's why you're here. Pastor, my old church, you know, we used to do this, we used to do that. And I'm like, wow, cool. It sounds like you're still hurt. It sounds like you got some forgiving to do. It sounds like that culture sucked the life out of you. It sounds like where you went is actually still on you. Can I pray for you? Because everywhere we send you, it's like people have a problem with you. Because you can't submit under authority. Because you can't be a team player. Because you can't take correction. The moment you can't take correction, you're not teachable. And the moment you decide not to be teachable or reachable, I promise you the, the devil sees you as eatable. Vulnerable, because no one's allowed to take light in your life. You know what, Pastor? Forget my old church. I, I good. I'm let. I let them go, and I'm. I'm. I'm not contaminating this one. I promise. I'm doing good. But I, I've tried to open up, and I don't blame them for it. But now my heart is closed, because the last time I let people in my life, they tore it apart. Listen, friends. My next idea: nothing will ever love you and hurt you the most like family can. Here's my thing about you. Hey, open up again. Just do it again. I tried to open up to people before, and all they did was this, and all they did was that. Okay, so you're never going to commit to a community? Listen, family's the best and worst thing in the world. The only people that could drive you nuts and just lift you up like no one else can. And the moment you think that you don't need it is the moment you're missing something in your life. A lot of Christians today have daddy and mommy issues, brother and sister issues that God's trying to fill and complete with the church. And the moment, watch this, yo, the moment you can't be hurt, you can't get love. That was crazy. That wasn't even in my notes. God is trying to talk to somebody today. The moment you can't be hurt, you can't be loved. The moment you've eliminated every opportunity to be hurt is the moment you've closed every door to love. Because to be loved, you got to be vulnerable. You got to open up. You got to open up. Worship team, come up. Please start singing because I'll preach all night. Matthew 24, last verse. Let's hang on right here. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. I was at the funeral today and I'm, I can promise you that my buddy really didn't believe that last week would be the end for him. Because we're young and we think, what do we think? I've got the rest of my life ahead of me. I, I've got my 30s, 30 flirting and thriving. That's a 13 going on 30 joke. A chick flick. I lost everybody right there. You got it? 
Thank you. Affirming your pastor. I got my 30s. I got my 40s. I got my 50s. Maybe I'll settle down. At 65, I'll probably join the, you know, church leadership. I'll probably be a deacon at 60. I'll probably start tithing when I get my retirement. And we think the end is different than when God says our end will be. And so what happens when God says stand firm till the end and we're waiting till the end to stand firm? We missed it. We missed it. We missed it. Wickedness is only going to increase. I pray there's Christians that decide to stand up. I pray. This is fun. I'm going to actually do a, little, a couple things and you can hit the symbols and stuff and play a little bit. I'm going to do something real cool, real cool and we're done. Tommy, can you stand up? No, just Tommy. Just Tommy. I'm sorry. I love you guys in the back though. Thank you so much for that. God bless you. Tommy, just turn around and look at everybody. <laughs> You're so awkward right now. Like, isn't that so awkward? Like, yo, he's standing up by himself. Like, yo. That's so weird, bro. <laughs> Here's the truth. It's so hard to do what he's doing right there, right? Right? Put your hands up, Tommy. Put your hands up. Woo, yeah, he's worshiping now. Watch out. so hard to lift your hands when no one else is even standing up. That's so hard. You can sit down. Gustavo, can you stand up? I'm sorry to put you on blast right now, but isn't it so awkward right now that you're the only person standing? There's hundreds of people in here, and you're the only one standing. It's tough. It's tough. It's really hard. That's a Christian without a church. That's a Christian that maybe has a relationship with God but is not accepting personal responsibility. He's questioning even standing up. It's tough. It's tough. Well, I'm going to need everybody to help me with this one. Tommy, you feel, uh, Tommy, sorry. Tommy sat down. Gustavo, you feel a little awkward right now? You feel a little like, you know, you know? But how about this? How about everybody stand? Everybody stand up. Everyone look at Gustavo though. Look at Gustavo. Come on, keep looking at him. I'm gonna your participation, y'all. Look around, Goose. You got people that are standing with you. You see. It's so much easier to stand when people are standing with me. Hey, the opposite is true as well. Gustavo, sit down. See, now he feels like, yo, why are they standing, yo? But everyone's looking at him like, yo, you should stand up too. Because I'm not going to let you sit down while I'm standing up. I can't let you back up while I'm in the church. Hey, let's all sit down. Come on. A couple more times we're going to do this. Tommy, stand back up. 
Awkward Tommy again, right? All by myself. All by myself. Hey, hey, but this section, stand up. Yo, Tommy is right now a Christian on social media. Looking into other communities, wondering what if I connected. Someone interested in Jesus but doesn't connect yet, hasn't stood up yet. And here's the thing, because listen, Tommy, everyone that's around you is seated. Most likely, until you cross over, you'll probably end up seating too. Because those that are in close proximity around you are all seated. At some point, your legs will grow tired and tired and tired. And the, what's around you will become normal to you. And you're looking from afar and you're looking at community. But listen, friends, let this be an analogy to our lives. I'm asking everyone to stand up. Come on, I can stand up when I know people around me are standing up. I can stand firm till the end when I know I have people that are willing to stand up with me. Listen, friends, when you, when you get to the end of standing up, you know what you get? You get relationship with Jesus forever and ever. Like, I've been pretty sad. Like, I've been, you know, crying and it's been tough. But you know what's been encouraging me? That my boy Reuben right now is in the presence of God. Like, he's in the eternal presence of Jesus. And he's not crying. And he's not heartbroken. And he's not empty. And he's not hungry. And he's not unsatisfied. And he's not bored. Yo, he's dancing in the presence of God right now. That encourages me. That keeps me going. When people tell me, Pastor, I don't want to be Christian no more. He's interceding for me. Tonight, I'm telling you, my friend may have died a few weeks ago, but he lives today. The body we buried, he's not in that grave. He is with Jesus in heaven right now, and he's all right, and he's okay, and he's not crying. So I'm sad, but I, I, it changes when I think that he's not sad, that he's doing just fine. He's doing just fine. When you meet Jesus, Jesus says, good and faithful servant, welcome home.